0: this is a sound purchase a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings episode 10 John martin's 1973 release solid air I found some toys over the
1: weekend nice nice that was just the one you uh yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I was, I was digging, out, digging out boxes from the from the loft and I came across a box that I'd kept and I'd kept for a very long, long time. But in it was my 2002 Obi-Wan Kenobi lightsaber.
1: Nice. Yes. I had the, the Mool one, the double-bladed. That is very cool. Broke uh, very, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it did not stand up to abuse. Very thin plastic. Yeah.
0: In amongst that box was an old Gimli toy from Lord of the Rings.
1: thought you were going to say like a mask or something. No, then? no, no.
0: <laughs> Gimli action figure. I had a Wolverine action figure.
1: Oh, nice. Where he uh, he
0: was riding the bike from the original X-Men.
1: Oh, what, the movie? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I My brother had um, yellow spandex Wolverine. Oh, cool. But um, when he, was, he got him when he was really quite young, hmm. couldn't think of what his name was, so he used to call him... Um, boiled egg head man, because his head looked obviously like a boiled egg with the yellow spandex on. Wow. And I remember the the claws on it were like, he had the claws, but they were just all as one thing of plastic just stuck together. They weren't three oh, separate claws. Oh, that's not cool. That was the 90s, man. It, it was. Uh...
0: So I found mine, but in there as well, was a whole load of Batman toys.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: So my son has previously been all about dinosaurs for for the last year or so, it's just been
1: dinosaurs, T Rexes. Yeah. Dinosaurs are pretty baller. That's fair yeah. enough.
0: But now, Batman, and in amongst all those Batman action figures, I've been looking them up. There's like animated series.
1: You used to have loads of the animated series, original ones. run
0: animated series, um, yeah. Batman's. But then there's the 1995 Batman
1: Forever, Batmobile. Oh, you? I had I had the Batman Forever Batmobile. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. I loved it. Is it then it lights up? Lights up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was cool. I don't have it anymore. But... I have got mine it's missing
0: the top fin.
1: Oh cuz they they separated, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, so it's missing reasons. the top
0: fin and the the like cockpit cover. Oh, okay. But I mean, I got it second hand from an old babysitter, so it was already missing when I got it. Fair enough. Still fires the missile out the front. <laughs>
1: I had another toy Batmobile as well, but it had like a bit that came out into like a boat, like a bat boat sort of thing. Came out the back. That might have been an animated series one. Maybe can't remember. Do they I remember? did have
0: the bat boat in Batman Forever.
1: Don't think it was the Batman Forever car, though.
0: I I remember made of mine had the bat wing. Oh, as nice. a toy. Nice. And I was always jealous of that.
1: I remember getting as well. It was huge. I don't think thing. it was for Batman Forever on Batman and Robin, mm. like utility belt. With various bits and bobs on it So I had like a Back credit card? No back credit oh, card No. no but it had like a spiked knuckle duster And stuff <laughs> not, not a real one Obviously it was like no. foam. But, yeah, Yeah yeah um, so that's Still seem, setting a good example Yeah yeah, so yeah. very Batman Yeah I can't remember the other stuff I had, it, it had like a little Circular saw on a thing For like I'm assuming it was Batman and Robin So it was like An ice cutting saw I think that was Oh no he as. had the
0: The saw to cut out of Poison Ivy's vines That was it yeah, because they shoehorned so many villains in there. Yes. I still oh, kind of like cool. Batman and Robin, though. Like,
1: I remember that last time we tried to watch it. I Admittedly, mean, we were drinking. Yeah. We were doing a drinking game. Yeah. We got too drunk after about half hour. <laughs> yeah, was pretty good. Yeah, it was Brutal. like Sexy Beast. Well, we made it through Sexy Beast, though. Yes, but I haven't watched that film since. I've no desire to watch that film. No, again. I've um, got
0: horrible sense memory. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're here, this is the Sound Purchase Podcast, we're here to discuss iconic recordings. We do a deep dive on iconic recordings. Today we're talking about a 1973 record, would you say it's
1: folk? Folk jazz, folk jazz rock? Folk jazz rock. Folk jazz rock, light rock.
0: Yeah, we're here to discuss the 1973 epic by english folk rock jazz pioneer, pioneer john martin the album is called solid Air. introduced me to this record in about 2012. I had no prior knowledge of John Martin before that.
1: No, and I think I introduced him showing you the live version of Solid Air where he breaks the string at the beginning. The Rock Palace. Yeah, which was where I was first put on to John Martin mm. by um Danny and Jim because they used to smoke a lot and listen to John Martin. <laughs> and so it's was case oh okay, so, yeah, we've John Martin. Mm. Come and listen to John Martin. I was like, "Who?" Eh? What? What's that? So, yeah, sort of similar situation, but a few years prior for me and with less smoking involved for you.
0: Absolutely. Although knowing us, we'd probably
1: had a few cans. Oh, yeah. 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 Cheap nasty. Oh. Got to be that cheap nasty. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, I had around the time, or I remember maybe, maybe my memory's getting hazy here, but around the time I'd just kind of begun to figure out and discover the work of Nick Drake.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Similar time, very similar, and Nick Drake actually was a contemporary and a friend of Martin's. Mm-hmm. They struck up a friendship, and Drake features as a prominent theme across Solid Air.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was very much written with him, in, but particularly the title track, Solid Air, very much written with, with Nick Drake in mind. He struggled massively with depression, and then eventually ended up dying of a antidepressant overdose. Mm. Not long after the album was released. And just sort of knowing just that little one fact about Drake and the fact they were friends, sort of when you listen to it, you kind of go, Oh yeah. <laughs> mm. I,
0: I had a hard time researching this album because John Martin is quite famous for not wanting people to dig into his lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And so on. So I I felt that kind of like integrity. Of going, well, maybe I shouldn't be delving into his lyrics, but... Uh, but we will. We will,
1: Um yeah. I, I too had to struggle researching this one. Uh, that's because I've just moved and I've, I've got no internet. This was co-produced <laughs> by Martin and John Wood,
0: who also produced all of Nick Drake's records.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We were really lucky to be sent some audio clips from Wood, who has recalled his time... Working with John Martin, Wood started his own studio, Sound Techniques, in 1965, and some of the artists that recorded at Sound Techniques were Cat Stevens, Elton John, Fairport Convention, who also feature on this album, yep. members of Focus, who we talk about quite a lot, <laughs> Jerry Rafferty. Hey, Focus? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, Jethro Tull recorded This Was There, John Cale, Pink Floyd recorded CM Play There. Okay. Uh, The Who recorded there and The Yardbirds. I mean, that's that's a condensed list. Yeah. But that's a pretty awesome who's who of the 1960s, 70s London
2: scene.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: John Wood initially met John Martin in New York, and I'll let him explain that one.
2: My first acquaintance with John was in New York when I was engineering Stormbringer for Joe Boyd. Originally, the project was going to be an album just for Beverly as a solo artist and she'd been signed to Joe's Witch Season production company. However, before we actually got to New York to make the record, Beverly had married John Martin, and it suddenly became a double act. I also worked, of course, on the subsequent John and Bev album, which was called Road to Ruin. Throughout both albums, I would have to say that John was never that happy, and uh, there was always uh, a feeling of friction between him and Joe. And of course, he later went on in quite a few interviews to disparage Joe. Although John had been signed to Island Records originally as an artist, I think by the time I was working with him, he was signed to Which Season as an artist. In 72, I think, I think it must have been, uh, Joe Boyd's production company Which Season ran into severe financial problems and uh, was completely taken over by Island Records and Joe went off and did something completely different. However he left me a legacy which was I suppose unfinished which season business to make a record with John Martin. He said can you make a record with John for around £2,000 and I said yes. So that record Bless the Weather became the first record I worked on as a producer and engineer.
0: Unlike horror stories of record company interference would seem to be able to operate with complete
2: autonomy. Both on Bless the Weather and on Solid Air, the record companies and r departments had no input at all. And in fact, they didn't get to hear the records until they were finished. Until around 1982, 1983, I don't think I ever encountered any interference from a record company at all. Just about everything I produced, we just did it and sent it in
1: do you think that was just a thing of the time period they were more willing to take risks with stuff it was very much
2: pre-manufactured
1: pop or manufactured folk even for that matter you know
0: i think it was it was separate i think there was like creatives over here businessmen over here yeah you make it we'll market it yeah now it's more manufactured more like
1: this is what we want to market this is what you're going to make
0: well, it, this all led to John Wood actually leaving the music industry altogether for a 12-year period.
1: Well, this album. No, just, just
0: people yeah. gradually getting more and more involved.
1: When they had no sort of business yeah. being in, yeah.
0: You know, and to be an A&R man and so on, you don't need any qualification.
1: No, no. In
0: like musical composition, but you can sit there and say, well, no, actually, I think we need the tambourine to be a lot higher. More cowbell. more
1: Calbell. i I'll be more yeah, but Calbell. Bruce Dickinson, uh, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, he's like you and me. He puts his pants on one leg at a time. Yeah, and he goes out and makes hit records. Yeah, so and he also
0: shares his name with a guy that can fly a plane.
1: And he was like um, in the top five UK fencing. Yeah, yeah, he's thing. an
0: Olympic level fencer, yeah, Bruce Dickinson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he was in a band. Yeah, they were all right. A little bit uh, Iron Maiden, a little bit too heavy on the gallops.
0: I did see, I did see a really cool T-shirt the other day. It's the Star Wars cockpit with Eddie from oh, nice. Iron Maiden in there. Ed Five standing by. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Thought nice. that was pretty cool. Nice. I was going to try and get it and surprise you, but it was only in America. So Wood also explained to us how recording was split over the series of two sessions with two very separate mm. outcomes.
2: First sessions were Solid Air were booked into Sound Techniques, uh, and the lineup was John on guitar. Bass, drums and keyboards. Uh, Apart from Rabbit on keyboards, I had no knowledge of the bass or the drummer and uh, John had chosen the musicians. I don't know where he'd come across either the bass or the drums. They weren't people who were known to me, that's for sure, and frankly they weren't very good. The rhythm section seemed to be unable to cotton on to what John was doing or what he wanted and the sessions became more and more disjointed, with everybody getting more and more frustrated. At this point in the evening, I tripped over the stairs at the bottom sound techniques and ended up with a severely sprained ankle and uh, went home in pain and great difficulty and, as a result, had to cancel the next couple of days. We then had to rebook the sessions two or three weeks later, by which time... A, we couldn't get into sound techniques, and B, we couldn't get the original bass and drummer. So, I made the decision that we would fall back on stalwarts Danny Thompson and Dave Mattox, and uh, Rabbit, who was on the original sessions, came again and played keyboard, and we reconvened at Basing Street Studios. This time we got off to a flying start. I think the first track we put down was, in fact, Solid Air, and uh, John sang it through, changed the format a little bit and off we went and so the track went down but we got the track down properly i should think within three takes and i can't remember the way it went after that but it would have moved on fairly rapidly and i think we were getting two or three tracks a night three or four evenings and we'd got the backbone of the album
1: about as bad as it could have gone yeah so solid ear the opening
0: track the track that you introduced Martin to me it's probably the best track to introduce anyone to Martin <laughs> especially
1: yeah. that live version of it. Um
0: Well that so you introduced me to the live version that's the live at Rock Palast, where you get a real sense of his humor. He's got a quite a dry wacky sense of yeah. humor. But I prefer the I prefer the studio version because it's far more psychedelic.
1: Oh yeah, I remember like being really thrown. I was like, oh, "Hang on, there's other instruments in it." What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like, What's, What's this bass doing it? Yeah,
0: yeah, very psychedelic. Mainly, I put down mainly due to the vibraphone provided by Tristan Fry, who. Provided percussion and timpani on A Day in the Life by the Beatles. Uh And he would later become the drummer for Baroque pop band Sky. Uh Who my brother-in-law absolutely adores. (laughs) Also, it's quite psychedelic because of the low-end double bass provided by Danny Thompson a session player that developed an intense musical relationship with Martin. He's also gone on to work with friends of the show, Graham Coxon, Peter Gabriel, mm-hmm. Rod Stewart, Nick Drake, Tim Buckley, Kate Bush, and T-Rex. Nice. Yeah, nice. pretty cool. This song was dedicated to Nick Drake, who would die of an antidepressant overdose, as we've previously mentioned, roughly a year and a half later later. After the record. In his 1978 Rock Pulas performance, which again we keep talking about, Martin prefaces the song by not only breaking a string and rather rapidly restringing his guitar, which was very impressive. That kept me Mm. pretty hooked. But also announcing...
3: This is actually a very serious song. It was written for a friend of mine who had uh, what they call a nervous breakdown.
1: That's a mild way of putting it, but
0: yes. Very mild way of putting it. Graham Thompson wrote in... The February 2019 edition of Uncut magazine. It's the smoked out six minute opener that truly maps Martin's evolution from talented Scottish folky to genre busting maverick. The song divines not only Drake's quietly devastating emptiness, but the impossibility of reaching him.
1: Hmm. That's some good words. Yeah.
0: Double bassist Dave Thompson has said of the recording, I think Solid Air was the first one we did from the top live. None of this dropping in. I was really tearing the backside out of it. (laughs) We were totally free. All musicians were. There was nobody sitting there saying, no, 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 not like that. More like this. Uh, We didn't have all of that. It was very trusting. John Wood was a beautiful engineer. Solid Air is such a beautiful piece. There's so much freedom for me on it. We always love playing it live. People call it folk or contemporary folk or whatever. I understand reasons people want to put boxes on it. But for me, it's music from the heart. People hear all these different stories and say, what was John really like? If you want to know what he was like, listen to his songs. That tells you everything about the man.
1: Oh, We'll just leave it at that, shall we? That uh, was, good. Yeah, yeah, that
0: was a good, good podcast. Yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Just go listen to the album. Uh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Friends of the show, Genius Lyrics, they, they help us out quite a lot. We
1: just approached them about a sponsor or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Genius, we we, yeah. we go to you quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's easier if people have done it for you, isn't it? Oh, so much easier. How <laughs> oh, I got through a degree. <laughs> yeah, as long as you quote the source, it's yeah. fine, it's fine.
0: Uh, GDSLyrics.com says it can be interpreted that we're living in air. We all move, breathe in it. Imagine yourself in a metaphysical state in which air all around you is solid. You cannot move anymore. You are truly imprisoned in reality. Mm. That's, a, that's a good interpretation good, good of thought. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is more of a, a comedy note here. Watching a documentary from the BBC bassist Danny oh, Thompson. Welcome friends to BBC. Have I, have I called him Dave Thompson? I apologise. Danny Thompson, I've been calling you Dave. He refers to Martin's slurring in the song. Says, I had to ask him, what's with the sausages? Because <laughs> <laughs> right, he kept thinking what? that rather than solidarity, he kept thinking he was saying sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Over the Hill. The BBC in 2008 described the song as bluegrass jauntiness.
1: okay. Yeah. Kind of That's
0: fair. Yep. I think this is a song with the Fairport Convention. Fairport Convention.
1: The British Jefferson Airplane.
0: Every interview <laughs> that I've read about, Martin references that the answers most interviewers want could easily be located within his songs. Mm hmm. This is a good example of Martin getting introspective and discussing his relationships with wife,
1: children, and drugs. John Martin never did drugs. Don't be silly. John Martin
0: literally singing about sweet cocaine. <laughs> Not even like he tried to hide it. No. Yeah. And no. In another interview, Martin states the drugs themselves are neither harmful nor harmless. They're either used or abused. The reason they're abused is because of the intolerable pressures placed upon delicate sensitivities, delicate personalities, by a rather heartless industry, in fact, a totally heartless industry, which is dependent on falsehood for its survival.
1: He thought that back then. And if you could see it now.
0: Yeah. He later goes on to state how much uh, he enjoys the influence of drugs. Uh, there is mention to... And marijuana in the second verse can't get enough of sweet cocaine, get enough of Mary Jane. Okay. Although it is speculated that the hill in the song over the hill is referenced to West Hill and Hastings where Martin was living at the time. I feel this is a bit of a feeling of being over the hill. Metaphorically speaking, Martin was only 25 at the time of recording. Although he was married, he had children and was probably feeling, paternal pressures of the time, whilst also realising that his dreams of musicianship and artistry may not actually become fully realised due to such responsibilities. I think he left his wife. I don't know what he was like as a father, to be fair.
1: Um, well, I think he, he big into his substance abuse, so... Well, uh,
0: there was certainly a lot of alcoholism and, yeah. and so on, but, you know... But we don't know. Was
1: but let's speculate... Very much let's of the speculate time. speculate wildly. Um... <laughs>
0: i look i I understand the the pressures that he felt there because there's it's one of those things twenty
1: five you're in the middle of your folk career, you've got a wife and kid um and cat
0: yeah I, well, there's just comes a point where it's like everything that I wanted to accomplish has just been put back even further because I've now got all these other responsibilities
1: yeah, that's fair
0: I'm not bitter about it it's okay i've got I've got happier responsibilities. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's just cover that yeah. up. Well, that's, that's actually all I've got for that song. Some nice bit of mandolin.
1: Yeah. 12-string guitar. Yeah, beautiful sounding yeah. song. A little bit repetitive. A little bit, but um, that's fine, you know. It's... The
0: next song is I Don't Want to Know, and that is really repetitive. I Don't Want to Know features John Rabbit Bundrick on a Sublime Electric Piano performance. Ooh, yeah. Dave Mattax on drums and Danny Thompson on the double bass. Layered gang vocals, which I believe are actually solely performed by Martin.
2: When we started recording Bless the Weather, I think John was relatively inexperienced about recording um, and so needed quite a lot of propping up in some ways Um, he never across both albums ever was happy doing vocals and uh, one really had to encourage him all the time to give him confidence but he always had a clear idea of how he wanted the finished result to be and so it was my job to try and help him get there. This could be suggesting musicians we might use, nagging and encouraging him to give his best performances.
1: No singer, I've ever been into a studio I was ever happy with the vocals.
0: I'm never happy, but I still enjoyed doing the vocals. I guess that's the difference. I like the process of it. The song appears half-finished just as it starts to get going. It's over. Yeah. The next song is I'd rather be the devil. The cover of Skip James's Devil Got My Woman. Oh,
3: Lord, be the devil. Lord, be woman
0: we mentioned in previous episodes that we admire covers that map out influence such as mm. Nirvana covering Lead Belly, Cream, Robert Johnson, etc. Something that piqued my interest in this song was the use of the maestro Echoplex. John Martin has become known as one of the real kind of pioneers of of the Echoplex, uh, but it's a piece of kit that I had previously strongly associated with Andy Summers of The Police. Mm. And we'll talk about The Police a lot later because they, they do come up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not the actual police, like the band, yeah, back yeah. to sting, back to sting I
3: will
1: kill him! All roads lead back to sting
0: The next song is going down easy. Interplay between the bass and the guitar is really intricate. It almost sounds like one instrument The chord voicings are psychedelic enough not to warrant any of the effects. There's no no pedal effects on this mm. at all. This is a song about getting to know someone, although you might get caught up in the idiom of going down easy, being associated with drinking. That goes down really easy. Martin, by all accounts, was yet to become a serious drinker at this point.
1: The next song is Dreams by the Sea. Top show, stakeout music. Like It, it just is. My
0: first note is this has the vibe of a Shaft theme song Yeah,
1: yeah, same thing well, It's just that any sort of wild guitar Yeah,
0: it? yeah It features Tony Coe on the saxophone As does Solid Air the song Tony Coe famously, or his most famous soundbite Is the Pink Panther theme Oh really? He played the saxophone oh. on the Pink Panther Nice Yeah
3: Da, da, da,
0: da. so lyrically i think he is describing his paranoid dreams the lyrical depth does not match the depth of the music
3: uh, okay well then
0: the next song is arguably the most famous off the recording may you never hmm Widely considered to be Martin's signature tune. Lyrically, Martin is discussing many reasons in which humans can sabotage their relationships with others.
3: Meaning,
0: become accustomed to being alone. become accustomed to being unhappy or dissatisfied weeks after being introduced to this record jake i actually wound up in an acoustic guitar class at university learning how to play may you never (laughs) (laughs) at the time uh i thought i knew better and i thought we should be learning solid air because i thought may you never sucked (laughs) in comparison as it's less of a traditional acoustic song you know yeah yeah i thought Solidaire would be a really good choice Nevertheless I enjoyed the lesson And I was happy to begin To get my head
1: around the track Once again tuning for Solidaire Would have been a right bitch uh,
0: But but that's the kind of thing that we studied In that class like open tunings And oh, stuff right. like that But this one was more about actual finger picking And like Martinisms um, Martinism. Martinisms Yeah because In the electric guitar classes we had like Cropperisms and Gilmourisms and stuff like that. Gilmourisms the Yeah.
1: Three step bend. Yeah. And then you hold that bend for ages. Forever.
0: Yeah. With all your pedals on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I only recently discovered that this track was actually recorded by God himself. <laughs> <laughs> AKA Eric Clapton for his nineteen seventy seven album Slow Hand. Hey. Himself. yeah as a side note i also saw a quote recently about a friend of the show eric clapton he is a friend of the show to paraphrase uh, by the age of 27 clapton had been a member of the yardbirds recording four records a member of powerhouse a member of john mail and the blues breakers recording a record cream recording four records blind faith recording a record toured with john lennon and the plastic ono band toured with delaney and bonnie and friends formed Derek and the Dominoes, recording one album and a live album, released three solo records, recorded in the band for George Harrison's debut record, recorded the solo to While My Guitar Gently Weeps by The Beatles and had pinched Patty Boyd, George Harrison's wife. Mm. All by the time he was 25. That's a busy boy. Incredible. And I've also seen this week now post doing the research that someone's come out claiming him to be quite racist. What, uh. Clapton? Yeah.
1: He strikes me as a racist. Look at him. Look at his face. He's got those beady little racist eyes. I
0: just think he always looks so sad. (laughs) So, why are you sad, Eric? Why are you sad? Why are you so sad? God,
2: Lionel. You have been hurt. You have been hurt by somebody. That much is clear. Who hurt you?
1: No, no I, I can't. I can't say that he looks like a racist. That's uh, that's slander, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty bad of you to say that he looks like a racist. Uh, and it's know. almost almost like it's not racist, but you're judging him on his looks. That, that was the joke. That was the joke. Okay, uh, I asked John Wood about cover songs for the album, and I stated this is where the police come back up. I stated I would have liked to hear a police version of. This song, or perhaps I'd Rather Be the Devil. Mm. I think they would do a pretty good version. I, I, I really think Sting would sing... I will kill him! The,
2: Sting would sing the life out of this song. It would be and brilliant. That's when he
1: stopped replying. He's like, no. Nah.
0: <laughs> no. Well, he had his own choice for this.
2: His songs are always very personal, and maybe that's the reason why there have not been that many covers of his songs, unlike, say, Richard Thompson. I always thought the song that could have been a hit was May You Never. Not for John, but for Billy Connolly. It's almost like an anthem for Glasgow.
0: Billy Connolly. (laughs) But it's like...
1: Yeah, that's
0: fair. That is fair. Um, Apparently, Martin left this until the very last minute. Wood was flying to New York City to master, and even at midnight the night before he was flying, Martin was still in the studio recording it. Oh, okay. uh, he was apparently unhappy with all the previous recordings, but he did manage to get it down in time. Okay, so the second to last song here, "The Man in the Station," quite a groovy little song. I keep my head bobbing to this one. Mm.
3: Spacey Keys, mm.
0: from our friend of the show, Rabbit. There's a man the
1: next in the I know, oh, that's when a man loves a woman.
0: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the refrain is quite hard-hitting, which is the antithesis to the soft touch of the verses. And I feel the lyrics represent the conflicting emotions of the musician and the father-husband. Again, mm. touching on that similar theme. Lastly... We have the Easy Blues Easy Blues Which is not a very nice name for this song Because the guitar The guitar playing in this song Is something that we should have probably studied In the acoustic guitar class <laughs> It is phenomenal Amazing guitar playing mm.
1: Really, was an f- absolutely phenomenal? Absolutely, not really massively showcased on this this album.
0: No, well, it's, it's things like "May You on. Never." There, there are certain Martinisms in mm. there, but you got you've got to go digging for it a little bit. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's it sounds easy, but it's really hard to replicate.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: His voice sounds less slurry.
1: In fact, you had to really concentrate to yeah, not slur that. there's a
0: <laughs> lot of sibilance in there. His voice sounds less slurry and way more raspy in this song, similar to that of John Lennon on Twist and Shout. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: Famously, the Beatles recorded the first album in a day or two. Yeah. And Twist yeah. and Shout was the very, very last song that they recorded and Leonard had blown his voice out, mm. which is kind of rock and roll, oh. really.
1: Yeah, these days you wouldn't get that. Blown your voice out, oh, that's it. That's it. Going to have to sit down, have my vocal tone.
0: Got to have Shot my vocal whiskey. zone. Got to go get my reconstructive surgery done. Yeah. Hello, you Adele. <laughs> Tossing it out there. Um, <laughs> fully, fully respect... What she's done And what she's achieved But I was a little resentful When When they had that Brit's performance And she was singing In It was that 2011 My My family at the time Were like Oh my god She's such a great singer And I was like No she's not Can you not hear her Straining to hit those notes And then like It was like a year and a half later She had to get Vocal uh, nodules done Yeah 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 Didn't have good technique I called it (laughs) I mean don't get me wrong I can't sing like Adele
1: (laughs) Yeah but still, but you know, yeah, bit of lessons and uh, tall poppy syndrome. Um, poppy what?
0: Tall poppy syndrome—it's like it's what New Zealanders suffer from. It's like this thing of uh, whenever anybody gets successful, we have to cut them down, bring them back down <laughs> to earth. We we really value modesty in New Zealand. So on the easy blues, the last note that I have is that I can't help but feel that the lyrics are double entendre. There's a lot of talk about jelly rolls, (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time, I can't help but feel that maybe he's referencing Jelly Roll Morton, the jazz legend. Oh, maybe. Maybe. So, Jake, I've got the usual three questions for you. I see. Now, I'm actually going to throw in a fourth just for a bit of a laugh. The first question for you today, Jake, is which is your favourite track off this record?
1: It's um, that's a difficult one. Yeah. Uh, is it, though? I mean, I feel a bit of a cop-out just saying Solid Air, but I'm going to say Solid Air, so yeah, Solid Air. <laughs> there you go. The best track is the opening track. I mean, the rest of the album is still phenomenal.
0: But the rest of the is great, just, that's just the best Solid song. Air is... <laughs> I, I'm going to have to completely agree with you, and I know that uh, members of my family completely agree as well. Uh, and it's not, not to put the album down, but the album does go downhill after Solid is done because it sets such a high bar. Yeah. It is awesome.
1: But I also can't think of what else they'd start the album with. It's not nah. like such a good opener for the album. It's
0: a great opener for the album, but... I guess it's just more the fact that none of them really follow in that kind of psychedelic vein.
1: No. Yeah. No.
0: So Solid air. it's a good track. I completely agree with you on that one. Second question, this is a new question for you. I've talked about the fact that I'd like to see May You Never Covered by The Police. Hmm. Which of these songs would you want to see covered and who would you want to cover them? Oh, okay. I quite like that question. Okay. If I don't say so myself.
1: That's a good question. It's a very good question.
0: You take your time.
1: I'd like to hear a cover of I'd Rather Be the Devil, uh, done by you too. I really think, um, particularly like that beginning...
0: The Edge would be all thing, over Yeah, The it. Edge would
1: be all over that with all sorts of panning and mm, crazy mm. delays and stuff, yeah.
0: And you'd get some nice marching drums yeah. happening. Yep. Okay, I like that. The third question for you now, Jake. Where do you rank the 1973 Solid Air by John Martin The folk rock jazz album in your top 10?
1: Number four.
0: Number four. So, just to clarify, you've currently got King Crimson, Devo, Ween, John John Martin, Martin. Foo Fighters, Little Bushman, Scott Walker, Amy Winehouse, and Blake Mills.
1: And Blake Mills. Yes.
0: I am currently Little Bushman, Amy Winehouse, King Crimson, Ween, Foo Fighters, Blake Mills. Devo Scott Walker and I'm going to be putting him after Ween in fifth place. Mm. So that leads us then to conclude the final question, the grand Mac Daddy: Is this a sound purchase?
1: Yes, yes, it is. I think that's unanimous. Yeah. Um, it wasn't obvious from yeah. <laughs> you know, the fact we've we had any bad things to say about, from maybe one of them was a bit repetitive.
0: Uh, We've talked about the repetition, and we've talked about him being an alcoholic. yeah, he wasn't very nice.
1: Yeah, he kicked dogs in the face. Uh, What? I'm just making up. Slander.
0: Slander. Can you slander a dead man? No. Can you? I don't know. It's a sound purchase, people. Yeah, it's a sound purchase. So, Uh,
1: but if you but you are supporting a dog kicker, so just just know that. But it is a good album so is
0: Is it just like lame dogs,
1: like critically ill dogs? (laughs) (laughs) They've got like the wheels on the back legs.
0: That's superhero
1: (laughs) power. He's trying to put dogs out of their misery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, no, that makes it sound a bit too altruistic. It's um, it's purely. uh, (laughs) It's vengeful. Yeah. (laughs) Vengeful. He's a dog that got him onto the drink. <laughs> <laughs> my wife left
0: me. You shit. <laughs> okay. uh, disclaimer: He does not kick any dogs. He might have done. No, uh, he we had a leg. He had a leg amputated. How could he kick? He could throw the leg at him. <laughs> oh my god! It's like you're, a you're going to hell. That is gross. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer, he did not kick any dogs that we know of. That we know of. But he looked like he could have
3: done.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm Stefan, and this was A Sound Purchase. A podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Check the show notes, and up-to-date top tens list, and other musings at stephsquatch.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle Steph Squatch Block. Other episodes of a sound purchase are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts and StephSquatch.com. And if you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store and pick up a copy of John Martin's 1973 release, Solid air support local business